This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. All right, we're going to have some nice background noise. We got airplanes, boats, float planes, boats, a little bit of wind, traffic, real Alaska, authentic Alaska. Yeah, it's good. Very scenic though. Speaking of authentic Alaska, we were in some authentic Alaska last week. Does it seem like Today's Friday, right? So yeah, today's we, Friday. We were already we were back in Fairbanks this time last week after uh, our hunt. Yes, we were. Has it all faded? Like the memory is it? Has it been consolidated down to that one shot? No, it's still fairly fresh. It's went by quick, just like uh, we thought it would. That was good. I think the only thing that didn't go by quick was that hike. Yeah, that was. So we should probably start. I have to kind of look at my cell phone to get the days right. Yeah, get the pictures. Day one, we get up there, and we went north slope into the flat, flat tundra. Because we had heard that the herd might still kind of be up there, but should be moving south. This is the time of year they should be moving south. And the herd isn't like a huge, there's not 20,000 animals all in the same group. You get these, it's like a, a territory or an area that you get the animals. And then you find them in small groups, 10, 15, 20, a couple hundred, something like that. So we were hoping to kind of find something like that going on. The plan was to hike past the five-mile corridor into rifle range if need be. So being willing to do that, which is why I trained. And day one, we weren't seeing much at all. Right, right. That was yeah. day one. Little uh, saw a couple little stragglers, small, small bulls, little spikes. Yeah. Um, Stacy and Billy, they were named. <laughs> Stacy looked pretty, just kind of gross. Yeah, losing that, uh, losing some coat of hers. I'm not sure. Oof. Looked like she had the mange or something she, going she on looked, there. He looked haggard. That was the only haggard. one we saw that looked rough like that. Yeah, that was. That was the only one. There were, we saw some other small ones. And the reason why we know she's Stacy, um, caribou cows also get antlers. And they tend to kind of get their antlers and get a lot of the kind of the fun stuff develop a lot of, a little bit sooner. And so they just look like a consolidated or a, a split in half version of a bull. They're not nearly as big, but they still get horns or antlers. Um, and she was around long enough for us to, to identify. Um, and then we saw the small bull and so we just figured that that was kind of the area to be and we, that it wasn't the case <laughs> not at all not at all not at all not at all so day two was when we hiked in right uh, i believe so yeah because we got up there did all the driving um sightseeing which was foggy and rainy on the way up and then they had construction so we slowly went through the construction and then uh set up camp and then yeah i think we started driving on uh yeah the yeah. second day so the 31st was when we got up there so that was kind of like our bonus day so we camped that night so on our first full day um was when we hiked out um we saw a couple caribou in the distance and it looked like there was a little bit of a rise. And maybe behind that, we thought there was maybe a riverbank or something like that. So if we got to that rise and we could look down, I was expecting to see the rest of the group that, that um, we saw. There was just cow, uh, what, two cows and two calves. Yeah, there was a, another cow or something. I don't think it was a bull. I think there was three cows and then because there was five total. And yeah. there was two definite calves and two definite cows. But I think there might have been either a small small bull or another cow yeah. i'm gonna go with another cow so as we're heading out there um 
it's we're we're kind of being dainty with the walking. We're trying to hop on the tussocks and trying to keep our boots dry as possible because if it was 39 degrees that day, it was sunny yeah. and and a little bit windy, but there were no bugs. We just kind of wanted to keep stuff dry because you can really change the complexion of a week long hunt yeah. if you get wet and cold the first night. So we uh, we were hopping around trying to keep stuff dry with the intent of going all the way out there. And so we're hopping around, hopping around, and then at some point we get to, it's it's essentially a river, a slow-flowing river that we couldn't get around. I tried to skirt it a little bit. You kind of went through, and I saw what you were going through, and so <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going to go to the left a little bit to where it narrows a little bit uh, and see if I can get through. And these, these little river networks don't even come up out of, it's, it's, it's not a river. It's just like bog. Yeah. And it's kind of like, kind of like, yeah, like a, like a duck pond. It's, it's muskeggy, so the tussocks were bad, but I think Southeast Alaska muskeg hunting kind of gets you used to that. It's not as, not as bad as, as up there, the tussocks, so you kind of roll your ankle off it. Um, but the water seemed to be just be coming from nowhere and they had two, three inches of snow last week and there had been some rain. So it was just sitting water and then it just kind of comes up out of the tundra and goes so it was just wet everywhere hard to get an idea of where things were and how to navigate that and there's lakes so we got split up you were making a stock we decided you get the first shot yeah yeah you decided that so uh i just rolled with it and um yeah i wasn't necessarily trying to just go straight for it but uh the little duck ponds that that were that you try to avoid and what had happened was I was trying to go through uh, the duck pond, and um, they have these little two-foot-high little bushes that are growing out of it. So I assumed, okay, if that's growing out of it, then that's got to be a high spot, so I can just walk across that. And if I go r- really fast, then I can probably not get wet. Well, that was definite not yeah. the case. It went up to, I think, just high on my shin, and I was just committed at that point. I mean, my feet were already wet, so I figured, well, there we go. Uh, yeah. My feet are just wet, so I'm just going for it because i was halfway through it if i turned around i'd still be wet so i just kept going but then from there on um yeah i tried to avoid them and go around and stuff like that but it was it was freaking wet it was terrible yeah and that was the what, the southeast thing when you're walking through a muskeg you look for the bushes and those mm-hmm. are the high points and so that really led us astray so after seeing you splash around i thought okay well you know his feet are wet i'm going to try to preserve mine and i had gators on and i got some nice boots but eventually you know you just want to keep them dry as long as possible. Yeah. So as I skirt this, I ended up getting, you know, like it seemed like a quarter mile from you. Yeah, you were and always a little so dot. So we were, we were trying to figure out how to communicate at that point. Thought, okay, well, he's going to make this stock. And so I'm staying as wide as possible because if I came toward you, I would be in their line of sight. And it looked like you were working toward them with some bushes in between. It's like, dude, that's the perfect stock. For my advantage, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And so I'm going to stay way over here so that I don't uh, spook the caribou. Yeah, so they were up there on that little rise. They were just feeding and doing what caribou do. And uh, I had some bushes in, in between me and them. And... Uh, they were hanging out there for the longest time just in that spot so i figured uh i just come around was it to the south of them kind of put the bushes between me and them and i got to 600 yards or 550 yards somewhere in there where i ranged the bush and uh they must have caught me moving or something which there's was no there was it's it's all flat so i mean there was no way of hiding and uh they saw me and they just started running that's when they started running south to you i figured uh Okay, well, I guess that's that. And there was another river that I was going to have to cross, um, which I don't think we got to, um, because after I blew them out, then I just started walking in your direction. So I think I avoided that river. But, yeah, so that was the first failed stock for me. Yeah. And they were just gone. Once they started running, I thought, well, my gosh, here I go. And so there was enough space where I I started to to move kind of toward them to maybe try to intercept. But, again, with the bow, it's going to be way different. I ended up getting a couple of decent pictures as they were – as they kind of disappeared over uh, over the top, which again made me feel like, dude, there's going to be we're going to walk to this little crest and we're going to look down at this basin, and it's going to be just that like that scene in Dances with Wolves where he, they they come up over the cliff and they look down and there's buffalo just everywhere. That's what it was going to be with caribou, but it wasn't. It was not at all. Imagine an ocean, and with one single wake from a cruise ship. That's the that's the only texture thing that was and that's what they were 
in front of and then behind and then that was it it was awful and we got to that point I was discouraged but there were a couple mounds of bushes off in the distance I thought well maybe further is better and that's going to be closer to the five mile corridor so we can just maybe hang in that those bushes out there look like a little little island and uh see what we can do there yeah and i think where we bumped them it was between one and a half to two miles off the road um so to get to the five mile corridor we had to go you know three three more miles so just, well let's just keep on going because we had the intent of just camping we brought uh, i think two days of food and then a tent and uh, we were just going to go out there and I kept having this optimistic picture of just like what you said. There was just, you know, we're going to get out to the five-mile corridor, and boom, we can shoot them with our rifles, uh, and they're supposed to be caribou everywhere. And uh, we saw absolutely zero. Horrible. A couple birds. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. We got out to those islands, and nothing. And you it was like that. a little oasis. Yeah, there's a cool deadhead. Yeah, you found that cool deadhead. Um, cool. But yeah, when we got to that, I thought those were a lot further out. I thought there were maybe little hills, but they ended up being just another small, small rise, maybe three or feet, three or four feet in texture. That a was about pile it. Of bushes, yeah. And that was about it. And we looked around. And we weren't even seeing stuff in the far distance. So we had opportunity to glass all around us and all these specks, all these little bushes we thought were caribou, weren't. And it was it was kind of distressing. And at that point, I thought, okay, well, you just got to put in the time. Let's get to the five-mile point. But I was in the back of my mind, I thought, you can't just choose any any point. You can't just walk five miles in any direction, get to that five-mile corridor, and expect it to start happening. So I was getting a little a little worried, especially as we got further out there. And it was just staying devastatingly flat. Yeah, very flat. And uh, the whole way out there, there was... Well, not the whole way. I mean, within that two miles, there was a few tracks here and there. and uh, But uh, that last three miles, there was just nothing. No tracks, no scat. I found an eggshell. That was <laughs> interesting, about the size of a baseball. But there was no caribou tracks, no nothing that we could see anyway. And yeah. uh, it was it's like, huh, should we keep going? But I, that optimistic picture of once we get out there, there's supposed to be caribou. And I, I don't know why my brain worked like that. But uh they weren't there. No, they yeah. weren't there. So we made the decision, the right decision, uh, to not camp out there and not be so optimistic that uh, we were making a bad decision. So we just anger hiked back in, and all the we went straight line. Everything oh. that we had tried to do at the beginning to keep the feet dry went out the window because we were already wet at that point. And so, again, it's like 39 degrees was the high that day. We were just tromping through angry marching angry marching shin high a couple times it got uh darn near the below the knee in the water just trudging through get back to the truck and pissed off 10 miles through the tussocks um, and we didn't really stop we stopped for lunch a little bit and then a snack on the way back to have some gummy bears to get the energy up but it was just straight through tired turned on the truck and uh just ran the heat for yeah <laughs> for a while yeah, I think we put in 11 miles that day. Yeah, that was... That's weird. It's so different than mountain miles. Mountain miles, you're going up, and you're kind of glassing as you go. But this was pretty much just straight walking because there's a, there was you know, maybe stand for a second and just glass around you, but there wasn't anything to see, nothing to kind of distract you from the terrain. For me, it was like doing high knees on a spongy ground. <laughs> and uh, short guy, so I have a short short leg span but yeah it was like doing high knees on spongy ground and if you stepped on one of those big spongy basketballs then uh you were either gonna squish into it or probably fall off of it which yeah. i i did a couple times but uh the tussocks they were uh they were very uh humbling yeah yeah, no, no yeah they put me in my place so we got out of there and then we we drove around. We had talked to a couple people that were there, and they weren't seeing much. And we glassed up a uh, what looked like an, a musk ox on the shore. We'd seen a bunch of those. At that point, we'd already seen six or seven. Um, and then a couple, well, you see something moving in the distance, and you, your depth perception is all messed up. And so we saw a couple things moving. Thought it was caribou, and it being geese. So yeah. there's like six geese, and then this root wad that we thought was a musk ox at first. And then we're just kind of recovering, uh, going to put a, take our, close up our tents and uh, pack them up and uh, find a different spot. And this, this guy and this other guy 
pull up and they both have YouTube channels, won't say who they are, but uh, <laughs> they start right. glassing, oh, we're not taking your spot. I'm like, okay, man. Thanks for not uh, taking our spot, I guess. Guy's like, oh, there's a muskox. I'm like, what? And then another guy, oh, yeah, there's, there's one. There's another one. Yeah, there's about six, uh, six caribou over there. Just this sort of, like, we are the experts because yeah. we have YouTube channels. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was pretty funny. And so I looked over there again. I thought, okay, well, maybe they saw a reel because we were just seeing, you know, root wad and then geese. And uh, so I look over there and I'm like, yeah, it's root wad and geese. That's yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, before they showed up, we were glassing over there and I thought I had saw something. But just the way the root wad was, and I never did pull out the spotter for it. And I was like, eh, I don't know. It could be something that's not moving. You know, one of those things. And so then they show up and, yeah, they they not taking your spot and did the whole thing there but then uh it's like okay if they saw them then that reassured me that okay my eyes were not playing tricks on me so then let's go pull out the spotter pull out the spotter and the stumps and all sorts of, they didn't know what they were talking about yeah. <laughs> hand holding binos and assuming that we didn't see yeah the caribou stumps right yeah. in front of us well so. you know they and have geese. youtube channels they're experts well, the one guy i think was an expert in his own mind the <laughs> other guy was seemed seemed to- tolerable yeah. I'd, I'd say the one guy um yeah, definitely uh, a genius in his own mind. Yeah. I, I don't know. So as we got out of the flat, flat tundra into the first ripples of foothills that become the Brooks Range. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. We found there's this campsite that has a bathroom, which is like, the, it seems like the first maybe stop um, for, for trucks that are uh, headed south. Um, and we were talking to, I don't know if it was this day or the next day, but we were talking to a guy, I think it was this guy, this day, it was the first full day, that um, we were just looking off this cliff, and the window's down, and this guy is, is also kind of just pe- casually glassing, and he comes over, and he's got a 10 mm on his uh, chest holster. <laughs> this <laughs> come, guy. Start, <laughs> come Kansas. starts talking to us. <laughs> and his buddy, he, he and his, his buddies were up there, and his buddy is a uh, certified... Uh, ambassador for one of the big big companies and he wanted to tell us that and he wanted to tell us also that uh, it had been foggy that morning which we knew um, and that uh, because it was foggy they just started drinking fireball yeah and he said uh, we started drinking fireball and someone's like well, what are we 16 and I thought all right hey what's 16 year old like why why do you know that yeah hey and then B Anytime anybody makes fun of their group when the group's not there, makes me think that it was like his idea. So he was probably the one at 9 a.m. who was like, oh, I'm in Alaska. Yeah. And there's a bunch of fog. Because we got a float plane taken off here. It's uh, authentic Alaska right uh-huh. there. In the, um, so it made me think that, oh, yeah, it was you. It was you that, was that, that not only brought that, but that wanted to drink it and... Uh-huh. Um, you were probably the only. He said that they were they were taking naps. He was probably the one that was taking a nap. Probably passed out. Probably passed out. A little different from taking yeah. a nap. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now it's it's mid 
late mid mid late afternoon. I don't know what time it was because the stinking sun doesn't go down until one a.m. No reference to time. That no was reference awesome. to time after a couple days. Yeah, yeah. Um, tells us that uh, some of his buddies were were out there and you know he was now walking around with uh, and he had the clip in the uh, ten mm. Yeah, you know, was over maybe still drunk. So I I don't know, man. You just think, gosh, dang it. So between YouTube guy, other guy, and Kansas guy, I thought this is. This is a mess. Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> this is a mess. And I expected there to be people because this is not a – this hunt's been advertised. Yeah. It's a unique experience. People had even told us not to go. Uh, yep. A friend f- from down here told you not to go. And then I have some friends in Fairbanks that said, yeah, I mean, it's – It's a hunt. It's an experience. You'll it's see caribou. Hunt. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of what we expected. But then when you actually talk to the people and see that, and you think, man, this is going to be crazy. Well, so, yeah, and when we started glassing, we saw that bull – going down through the little valley there but then two different groups just go after it at the same time yeah. it's like uh there was no i don't know if it were me uh just you know you got three different guys up there and then all three of them gonna go after it well i mean if if all three of you gonna go after it then you might as well get a plan yeah. like okay i'll go over here and then if you scare it, you know, then I'll be over here waiting for it. Not yeah. all three of them go down there independently. Yeah. I don't think either, either of them talk to each other. It was just like, that's my caribou. I'm going after it. Yeah. It's like, eh, it's, I don't know. The, okay. the hunter etiquette, I guess, was not very yeah. good. And if you are all in the same group, that's one thing. But if you're in different groups, it's impossible to communicate those sort of things. Yeah. And that was what was starting to become a little bit... You know, if there's not a whole bunch of caribou around, if they're not in big groups, if you can't just kind of piece off or if you can't just hike your five miles and go and get the job done, are we all just going to be scrambling over the one bull that we see? And the next morning, that's exactly what happened. There was no fog. We woke up and there was no fog. And we see a bull, like, just down the road from camp. Yeah, close. And so I get set up with the spotting scope and I'm watching that and you're going down to make a stock. And we talked to these other guys who seemed pretty cool because he had failed on a stock the, er, the previous day. Yeah, and we picked him up. We picked him up and we drove him to his buddies. And he said that someone else had spooked the bull and then it, the bull had been spooked to him and he had almost the opportunity to draw at like 60 yards or something like that but couldn't. And so, again, that kind of makes this, the first person might not get it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the second person that the thing is spooked to, which yeah. just seems crazy. So you are going down after this thing. We see the guys uh, take off down the road, and then, I don't know, maybe five, seven minutes into your stock, because there, there's a very small little creek bed with some bushes. So there's enough texture to do something, which was awesome. And that's exactly what we were looking for. And then I see these two guys um, on the opposite side of the little creek start coming down to the same area. And I look behind me, and their buddy is spotting from maybe 150 yards behind me. So I'm thinking, oh, great. Yeah. You are stalking this bull from one area. Two other guys are stalking from... You're stalking from the north. They're stalking from the south, which is kind of weird. Like, we read the wind based on... It seemed like it was coming from the north a little bit, if if nothing at all. So I guess they... When they puffed maybe from higher on the ridge, it gave them an indication that the wind was headed um, was north to south. So um, they thought they were making the right move on the bull. And so everyone just kind of, I can't see you. I can see them moving in yeah. on it. And I see that one guy get really close. And I'm taking pictures, and he just never draws. It looks like he can't be more than 25, 30 yards away, and he just never draws. So what did you see up to this point? So... Yeah, those guys passed us. Didn't say a word about the bull, probably because they didn't want us to see it, or maybe they <laughs> didn't think we saw it. But we saw it, and um, and if they had said right then and there, like, "Hey, we're gonna go after this bull," um, you know, please don't go screw it up or what? It, don't say like, "Don't not go for it." That's my bull. Yeah. Like that. I mean, come on. Yeah. But they didn't say a word. So you spot this bull, and you're like, "Grab your shit and go." So grab my stuff and go. So then get get down in there and. I get down to the little river drainage or the little creek drainage or whatever it was and it was a bunch of bushes around and uh, so then I get down in there and I get what I feel is probably 100, 150 yards from where the bull might be. Got down in there and I lost track of him because the brush was so high close to that creek. But uh, And then uh, yeah, I poke my head up and I'm looking for this thing. I'm like, where is it? 
And then I see not one but two guys. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> these are our buddies. So they're, uh, they're, they're going after the bull too. And I was like, well, shoot. And one of the guys actually, actually um, whistled at me like, I don't know if he was saying like, what the heck? Or like, what are you doing down here? Because we're down here. Or if he was saying like, where'd the bull go? Because he kind of put his hands up. And I was like, I don't know. And then I pointed. I was like, I think he's down over here somewhere. You know, I pointed in the direction I thought he was. And then we just kind of went on back to hunting mode, I guess, kill mode. And uh, next thing I know, this bull comes running out of the out of the uh, drainage. And I'm like, okay, well, he's gone there. So he, he spooks it up the hill behind me and between you and or between where you were set up and and where i was so i was and he was 100 yards from me i think is what it was and i'm not that's way too far of a shot so i was like okay well maybe if i pretend to be a little tussock he hasn't seen me yet maybe he'll come back down and uh yeah no we just split the difference between you and i and that's when he took off and i was like well that gig is up in between this i got down to that little drainage i took off my shoes because i'm wearing a pretty um pretty tough boot and a pretty loud down and there's some branches and stuff were crunchy hashtag so I'm like it. hashtag it yeah so i'm just like i'm taking these off and then i started going down there the bugs were just eating me alive scarpas like, right yeah scarpas hashtag yeah. scarpas hashtag scarpa yeah i was wearing my scarpa grand Drews, which is a pretty <laughs> stiff boot and uh it's like okay well get down in there and barefoot and now my socks are soaked and this bull runs right away after i see two guys I'm like okay well there goes that. And uh, kind of had a sour taste in my mouth after that um, because there were two guys chasing it, and then there was us, and then you went after it, and then there was another guy above, above you. And I'm like, where are all these people coming yeah. from? Like it. So by that time, I was like, okay, we, we, we need to get away from some people. So, yeah. but uh, well, that was when it did spook, and it did spook up, up the hill because the guy was on the, just on the other side. And so the caribou spooked away, which was up the hill. It maybe knew that there was a camp there, so it didn't totally flee up the drainage. And so I think, oh, man, this is, oh, it's on. Yeah, so it could have happened. I, I left the spotter, put my uh, release on, took my bow, and started kind of crawling down because he had disappeared into some texture. And I'm getting closer, closer. Then I see his tips. And then I wait, and then he kind of puts his head down a little bit, walks some more. So I'm just kind of tracing uh, the top of his antlers, and I'm getting as close as I can. And then he finally comes up. I think, oh, my gosh, this is... 60 yards and he's standing broadside and I think Ryan is right down there like this is exactly where I think he is he's on the other side of this thing who knows where and I thought I I I don't know and I was also worried about maybe he's in the right spot now for you to take a shot so I'm thinking wait is there going to be an arrow coming up at me am I going to shoot an arrow down there maybe at Ryan like I have confidence I was just shooting out to, to 60 very well um, so I, it was it was it was crazy to uh to have to figure that out and uh, i didn't take the shot and it took off a little bit so we get out of that situation and sour taste but we figure that's the way it's gonna run but we have to get away from the people especially that spot because it seemed like people were just waiting at that like it was a bottleneck or something they were at those that high vantage point you could see a long way down into the flat tundra to see if something was coming up and so we ended up doing exactly what we didn't really want to do, was just kind of cover some miles, be willing to drive. And as we were driving, we saw a similar sort of thing happen. And it was the same group of people. Well, I don't, it wasn't like the same group of people that we had met, I don't think. But there were, there was, there were two bulls that were moving north. And there were three people who just were kind of all making a move on it. It was like they made it this, this triangle at them. They were trying to figure out where the bucks or the, the bulls were going to go. And it ended up failing. And part of me was like, I don't even want to watch this. I don't want to watch someone else get a bull. And part of me was also curious about how this thing was going to go down, but it just didn't seem, it seemed like a, I don't want to say crowding, but it was kind of crowding. They weren't trying, trying to spook it. It was just throw some people at it and see if someone gets a shot. Yeah. Which with rifle hunting would be unbelievably... That'd be scary. Horribly That'd scary. That'd be terrible. Um, so, yeah, the, the middle the middle time was, you know, we drove around a little bit, did some, did some camping. It was fun. Come back uh, late in the evening, have some food, just kind of relax, decompress. Um, slept for about five or so hours a night, six hours. Um, got up and did it again. Got up and did it again. We were up by five and 
having breakfast and yeah. had a little, had our little camp spot there with other people around, but it was good. Yeah. Then uh, ended up uh, there. We saw a bull, and then this this kind of is is jacked up because we see a bull on the edge of this uh, tree line, and we don't see anybody else around, and so we stop and uh, try to make a a stock on it and it just kind of we found that sometimes they bump and it's not necessarily because of pressure they'll be down feeding 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 and then start like moving their heads and then start to get kind of antsy and then just run for bugs. 50, bugs. 50 or so yards or so and and it was just they they get so sick of the mosquitoes and by this point the temperature had risen so this first two days it was in the in the upper 30s low 40s and uh, now it was in the 60s, so super nice, pretty hot. Uh, but then the bugs hatched, and it was it was brutal. Um, so we um, we I kind of get a shot at one. Like you were, you're making it uh, work, and I I try to get out to this other little little road, and it ends up kind of spooking perfectly to me. And I range it at 82, and that is like to my left and up. And it kind of starts kind of hopping towards me, so it's directly out in front of me now. And so if you look at a like a triangle between where I was and where it was, uh, or where I am and it was, would be like the hypotenuse of a triangle. So now it's right in front of me. And so what is that measurement? You know, if I yeah. range it 82, the thing I didn't I didn't think it was going to stick around because it wasn't really sticking around. It was just kind of bumping and upset with the uh, mosquitoes. And so I figured it would be around 60, and it wasn't going to stick around. And so I drew and I shot and I was. Uh, left and low. I didn't really settle the pin. I was kind of looking at the caribou itself. Just all the classic stupid stuff you're not supposed to do. Uh, not even close to it. I see the fletching just in bed below it. So I think uh, I not only lowered, but I didn't even really get the pin settled on it. So it was just a total disaster. Um, and the thing took off. Um, so that was at least we were excited that at least drew like one of us drew on a bull. Yeah. And then uh, the next day um we see a small bull in the same area and you kind of make a little stock on it and then i get out of the truck and it just does this for a mile point six it ended up being it would just kind of like spook across the road and then back and then down a little bit and then back and there was one point where you were on one side of the road i was on the other and i had ranged this um rock right on the other side of the road and it was 30 yards. And so when that thing crossed, it was going to be at 30 yards. And it was crossing. And then it was running up the road, almost gets hit by a truck. Uh-huh. And then it doesn't come all the way down. I don't know if it, if it saw me or what, but it, it ends up going back. It was going to come down right perfectly in front at 30 yards. But that didn't happen. It goes to the other side. So more this and that, this and that. And uh, ends up being on the road going away from us. And there's a truck behind it. And the truck was trying to get past it. But the caribou wasn't getting off the road. So it was like almost driving it further and further. But it gets off the road, finally starts standing and feeding. And so uh, run for a little bit, walk for a little bit, and then end up crossing the road. And then range it at uh, 75, got off the road a little bit, range it at uh, 55, and drew and made the shot. And I was like, oh, dude, that felt so good. And I heard it. And I'm like, dude, that's a dead caribou. That's a dead caribou. And I put my binos up and looked and saw the little uh, red spot. It was more like touch of liver or touch of lung, mostly liver type area. So, you know, a little better than far back, but back a little bit. And it was just standing there. It took about 10 steps and it was just standing there. I was like, oh, it's going to fall down right now. So I was like, dude, that's it? Yeah, from where I was watching, I uh, watched the whole thing. And um, yeah, you had crept on the other side of the road staying out of the view and then you jumped over at some point and he was just over there feeding and this was about an hour we, we did the cat and mouse and uh uh i think i had decided that i didn't want it at some point in this and then i said you you go for it if you want to shoot it. and he said i we were like yeah i'm gonna go for it so we'll play cat and mouse all day we got all day it doesn't get dark here so yeah. we're just gonna go for it and and finally 
when it came down to the to the shot you had gotten over and I was watching you in, in my binos I just had one point I think I was like 150 yards away and I just plopped on the side of the road and pulled out my binos and I'm watching you and then I'm watching the bowl and then I see you pull out an arrow knock it draw back and I'm like oh this is cool <laughs> and uh, took your shot and to me I heard a big like thwack noise but to me it sounded like it had hit the dirt. I'm like, oh, man, he missed it. So I'm sitting there like, Jeff, put another arrow in it. Like, <laughs> shoot again, Jeff. What are you doing? And so then I wait, and I'm watching. I'm watching you, and you're not moving like you missed it. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. If it was me, I'd, I'd try to put the sneak on it because he had moved, a, moved probably 10 yards up, and you were just standing there and uh, didn't throw up your arms or anything, just kind of watching it, watching it, which was a good thing, I mean. And then... Uh, this bowl just kind of stands there and then he does this little wobbly and I'm looking for blood I'm like what is going on here like I I, I couldn't see anything from my point of view and uh, and he's like starts doing the his, his legs are getting really heavy so then he does a stumble and then next thing you know he falls down I'm like oh my gosh he hit it that's awesome so then that's when I walked up and I was like good job and <laughs> then walked up on it and was like oh yeah you got it good yeah yeah that was pretty cool it was it was weird because i didn't know how i'd react this is the first bow kill i have since uh, a small uh, black tail a couple years ago so i didn't know how i was going to respond to you know caribou up in the north slope and then you know the, just in the in front of the brooks range and i just felt this it was like satisfaction it wasn't like jubilation and oh my gosh yeah you know it was just like oh my gosh I, I'm up here this is this is unbelievable I wasn't like emotional and crying or anything I was just felt this tremendous satisfaction that you know we'd come up here gone all this way and we'd figured it out and there had been adversity and you know just I'd felt calm about the shot and I think part of that was I knew I had to stay calm for the shot so by staying calm in the shot it kind of changed maybe the reaction from a, oh, I'm so psyched for the shot that I'm psyched after the shot. I was just like, oh, man, this is so awesome. Just what an unbelievable experience. And I think back to when I was living in California. <laughs> I think, gosh, dang, I'm really glad that I'm living back in Alaska because uh, these sort of experiences, man, like no one really gets to get. Oh. You can go on YouTube and you can Google certain things about caribou hunting, and there's a ton of videos about it. But as far as percentage of the population goes, or even hunters, very few people get to have that experience. I just felt so yeah. happy and satisfied um, with that. So, and there was no pack. There was hard, hardly any pack. I think you were probably hundred yards off the road, and uh, the bugs were terrible because the wind just like had stopped. There was a little breeze here, a little breeze there, but it was oh my gosh, the bugs mm -hmm. were terrible. So, yeah, then I run back and I get uh, your kill kit and the other stuff. What kill kit and water is what I grabbed for yeah. you. <laughs> we had been chasing this thing and not not chasing it, stalking it. But um, and uh, yeah, so you you even that. said you said uh, it's got five ten minutes till it gets psycho and it would it would stand and it would feed and then head twitch and then head the motion body shake and then and then body shake body shake and then it would take off. It was just the the bugs would slowly drive him insane and he would run around a little bit but never clearly out of the territory he would just be out for a little bit yeah and uh yeah so then get yours all butchered up and uh yeah, that was good and uh yeah next morning next morning we're like all right let's get ryan one we got two days left two full days left yeah that was exciting uh so we had woken up at five o'clock again and after celebratory uh glassing session with uh with a couple brewskis and then we uh i think i was heading yes uh <laughs> it was about 6 a.m and things were calling so um and i look up on the mountain where there hasn't been this little lump and you know eyes are still foggy still waking up first cup of coffee hadn't hit i'm like oh that's something. So then I run back to the truck and I got my toilet paper in my hand and I'm like, Jeff, there's a caribou. And, uh, like where? So then pull out the spotter. And, I don't know. It looks like a bull. Let's go take care of business. And then, uh, let's go check it out. So did the thing and drove down the road, came up with a game plan. And then we started, uh, yeah. So then we drove down the road, probably about 
three quarters of a mile, maybe half a mile distance is a little off for me. Mm-hmm. So then we hiked up this ridge, which we had previously glassed before because you could just see a lot down in this big valley. And we just figured caribou is going to be around. It should be in this big, peaceful valley. And uh, so when we got up there, I don't know how long it took us, but we were we were hiking with a purpose. I didn't bring spotter. We went light and fast, as we called it. So um, then we had finally gotten up to where we thought the caribou was. And I don't even think I had my bow off my pack yet. And um, Yeah, you didn't get it out there until you left me. Yeah, because I put it on so we can go fast. And then um, that was a nice little trail. It was in and out of the tussocks, but for the most part, fairly compact down. And there was caribou tracks up and down it. And uh, then we get up there probably about three quarters to a mile off the road where we think he is. And uh, there's this little hump. And I'm going first, and you're behind me. And... All of a sudden, I see this caribou just staring at me. Oh, so then I tell you, I'm like, caribou, caribou. And she's like, huh? And, and at that point, he runs off. I'm like, you did have your bow off at that point, I think, because that's okay. where we thought he was. And I, I think you did take him off, okay. and then you walked to the edge, and you had your bow. Yeah, because there was we'd been up there the previous day, and we'd seen that there was this rocky cliff area, and there was the one that was the far one, and it looked like we he was going to be at the rocky cliff area. We're going to check that out, and yeah, so yeah, you did have okay your ball off at that point. Yeah, so from there, um, it's like oh shoot, well we just blew that one because he he come up and he was he was toying around that seventy seventy five yards because he because he had come up the hill at that point and then. Uh, had the bow off and I was getting ready and I was taking and it it had a fairly consistent breeze with a little bit of a gust so then I would range of me 73 I'm like I'm not taking that shot in, in, with this wind and 60 was my cutoff so I was like ah yeah no I'm not going to do that and so then he dances around and you know I'm doing some things to try to get him to come closer you know putting my bow sideways or just not moving and just trying to make him think like I'm another caribou and he's a little smarter than that and then, <laughs> and then finally he's just like ah, I'm out of here and takes off and goes probably about half mile to three quarters of a mile down the valley maybe I don't Something know like that yeah yeah up, up to the other spot and I'm like well shoot so I'm like what would Jeff do and in my head I was like <laughs> well I had asked you I was do? like I was like what would Jeff do I don't know I actually I can't remember what you said but then in my mind, I was like, WWJD, what would Jeff no, do? <laughs> he one caribou, one yeah, small caribou, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm a reference point. Yeah. Well, well, I got to have somebody to bounce this off of That's a, true. a, a That's blame true. point in case, you know, yeah. I fail. Yeah. So, but uh, so then we kind of hemmed and hawed, and then I, finally I was like, well, he's over there. He's just feeding because we were, we were watching him, and he was in the same kind of texture. You know, he was in the middle of these big hills, and, you know, there was a spot to get above him, and then he just – kind of bedded up and would get up and bed up then bed back down I was like okay well and then it's just like okay well if this was the last day you know I'd probably go for him so like I'm gonna go for him so then we come up with a plan and you stayed back and watched watched the whole thing and then I finally got over there and I don't know why but I always feel like I have to take my boots off just so I can be (laughs) a sneaky ninja and I had gotten to probably about 200 yards out maybe 150 and I was just coming up this little hill, and so then I dropped my pack. I dropped my, I think I even dropped my bino harness and uh, grabbed my rangefinder and my binos and um, took off my boots there. And the wind was still consistent in in, in my favor, and uh, and I snuck over, and I could get to a point to where I was just sitting there, and there was enough wind to keep my noise down, which the ground was soft, and um, I could just see through this little hole in the bushes i could just see him bedded up there and like okay this is cool but he was facing me so i couldn't just get up and find a good pocket to shoot at and it was probably about a 45 degree angle and i had ranged some stuff around him while i was waiting and uh sat there probably watched him what did we come up with about 45 minutes to an hour something like that yeah i i couldn't take the bugs anymore so put the mosquito net on yeah i um drank some water I uh, ate my trail mix for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just kinda, I was texting Abby, letting her know what was going on, which is weird that we had cell phone reception there. Maybe I was on the inReach. I think it was inReach. But, uh, yeah, I was just kind of watching it. Yeah, so I was watching him, and I was like, okay, he's a caribou. He's going to have to get up eventually. And uh, he was facing me, just feeding, and had his back to the wind. And I could just see him in this little brushy patch. And when I would lean back just to lay down, the bugs would be able to get me but when i was 
sitting up kind of slouched over there would be enough breeze to where the bugs weren't that bad so i was like doing that little thing back and forth and then uh uh, I was ranging some stuff around him. I was getting 37 to 39 yards, some something like that, where I thought he might have been. And uh, finally stood up, and some things were going across my mind. I was like, well, if I throw a rock, and then, you know, I can get him to jump up, but then he's going to be on alert. I was like, no, I had to practice some real patience because I'm not a very patient person. And uh, <laughs> so then finally he stood up, and I'm like, okay, cool, this is about to happen. And by that point, I had already knocked an arrow, and... Uh, so then I get on my knees and I poke my head up above these bushes and I range and I can hear him just crunching on grass and eating whatever he's eating and I can hear him walking, which was pretty cool. And then, uh, so then I range him, said 39 or something like that. So then I, on my knees behind this bush, I just drew back and stood up drawn and uh, put my 40 yard pin on it. And that's where things got a little squirrely. I don't know what happened, but, um, Anyways, long story short, uh, I had one arrow left, and uh, so I could come up with all sorts of excuses, but I'm just going to skip that part, and uh, long story short, I had one arrow left, and um, he had started feeding up towards me, and I ranged him at 19 yards, and he was just almost even with me, just just a little bit on the other side of the hill from where we first started, and uh, none of those other arrows hit him, so like, okay, well, if he runs away, at least he's not injured, but I had this one arrow left, so I was like, this is it, I gotta make this one count, so, and then he ended up coming, I ranged him at 19, but I think he took a couple more steps towards me, so, um, he had come up this little hill, and finally he was, so I had drawn back again, hopped up on my, uh, legs slowly, so I was standing, and then he just popped his head up and I just put it right there on his chest and it hit him kind of on the offside shoulder and just almost went through him the only the only thing that the arrow stopped on was the inside of the pelvic bone so it probably would have gone I'm assuming it would have gone all the way through but that that bolt didn't go less than 10 yards somewhere from 5 to 10 yards and he was just dunzo so it was pretty cool it and, was <laughs> and then from there I I was like, oh, yeah, now it happened. And then I jumped up, and I was like, you know, we got it. And then you, then I could see you were heading this way. And, and I was like, what in the heck happened? So then I waited for you to come over and then went and checked him out. And then uh, we went on a little arrow search. And I got two two of my arrows back, and then the three were off in no man's land. So well, That was weird. I, I was watching, and I saw the bull get up. And I wasn't sure what the distance was from the picture that I – took in my advantage i thought man this could be a long long shot because you were a speck it was a speck but there was a little bit of a hump that was where i thought it was but it was actually past that hump and so it was a lot closer of a shot and so when i saw you rise up and miss and then i didn't see the second shot the third one was definitely high and so i thought oh man and then i saw it kind of going around the corner and i thought oh man that's it and i saw you kind of pursue a little bit so I just I grabbed my pack and I started walking toward because I thought that it was just gonna you know go off that side and go down yeah. uh, the riverbank, and so as I'm waking my way through the tussocks, I'm maybe 100 yards from you, 75 yards from you, and I see you jump up, and I was like, oh maybe that second arrow hit him. I didn't know. I was I was looking down just to kind of look at my footing, make sure I don't roll an ankle in the tussocks, and I was missing the whole drama of you coming back and the caribou coming back up and yeah. that whole thing I missed because I had to look at where I was watching. I wouldn't be able to see that because look at that school of humpies or something like that just going nuts right there. Oh, yeah. Could be silvers, too. Cool. Um, yeah, I missed the, whole, missed the whole thing. I wouldn't be able to see the caribou because it was down kind of off that other side, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was jubilation. Yeah, that was uh yeah I'm not sure what was going on. I still don't know what was going on. Um Yeah. There's so many things I could blame it on. Yeah, 'cause we had shot two days before and yeah, money. It was good. Um before this trip I didn't shoot at any sort of inclines. Um you know, in the past, you know, I've gotten up on my roof because I got a pretty good ladder and my roof's not steep or anything like that, so it's safe. But uh, then I set up my target, and it's a fairly good incline. It's probably about 45 degrees, and I can just draw back, and I can just shoot shoot at my targets from where they sit. and It's all been good, but for some reason, it didn't pop in my mind to shoot at any sort of angle. You know, yeah, take my targets up the mountain or whatever, but yeah, so I'm not sure what was going on. But anyway, 
we we got, got the bowl. We took some pictures, punched our tag, or p- punched my tag, and it was cool. And pulled out the arrow. That was pretty cool. Um, first, I guess, frontal shot I've ever taken, and um, that was pretty good. And yeah. uh, just total annihilation of the insides. Yeah. It got well, lung, diaphragm, liver, intestine, and surprisingly, it wasn't messy at all. You know, I was, no. like, I was like, this is going to be stinky and bad, but it, it was high enough to just devastate because it was on the incline as he was coming up so it was high enough to devastate all the vital organs without puncturing into the into the guts and that is such a um traumatic damaging shot that uh so fast thoracic uh opening or whatever like we have just above our our rib cage um i mean that's a horrible place to have anything happen to you and um i know Corey jacobson has a couple he explained it i think in one i think some other people have have explained and um he's taken some of those shots on elk at very close ranges and at yeah. you know 19 yards very little decline it was a much different shot than uh than the previous ones but yeah you make that shot like that's a that's going to put it down oh, pretty yeah. easily that was, that was pretty cool it was pretty cool and i'm really glad i didn't put that last arrow to waste i i don't yeah probably would have just called it a day after that and just said let's go back <laughs> sulked and whined and yeah who uh, knows? But it turned out great. good, and then uh, yeah, you you grabbed half the meat, and I grabbed uh, the antlers and half the meat, and made it back to the truck. And I forgot my trekking poles, and, uh, and you let me borrow one of yours, which was cool. And then yeah, we made a nice, good little hike back, took a couple little breaks, and it was good. Really glad we had that trail to go back, cause them tussocks, man. Ooh. Yeah, it was just enough of a trail to kind of to kind of knock it down, and uh, we knew there were, it was going to be tough, and it, it did suck. But yeah, and we were still moving at mile and a half two miles an hour like we're still still moving pretty good so it was you know if you look at you know when people from down south come up here and they're looking at going up the sides of mountains just the thickness of things is so brutal and getting through alders and then the footing in muskegs is just horrible and the steepness and all that stuff is just a lot more than you expect and once you hunt down south a little bit you see that oh yeah there's a lot of gaps between the trees you know the trails are pretty good a lot of times you're on groomed trails and we get in that too like sometimes we'll go we'll go up mountains that have trails or we'll you know access these sort of things with some trail and it's brutal but not having that footing was just it's pretty. It was pretty rough. Something to to definitely think about. It was. It wasn't going to deter us at all. But it was just. Something. I will say this: that I definitely underestimated the tussocks. Yeah. Like, oh, it's flat. It's just how how bad could it be? It's it's got to be muskeg. Me being ignorant, yeah. and I've never. I've only hiked on muskegs. I was like, yeah, it's got to be just like that. How hard yeah. could it be? Tough guy. And yeah. Then, yeah. Well, it put me in my place. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the spots were worse than others. I found that. For, for the most part, you could kind of walk between them. If you step on the top of them, yeah, you're going to fall, you're going to roll yeah. your ankle, whatever. So you just, you don't walk on the top of it. Um, same thing with like when people are walking um, on the beach, they walk on top of the rocks. I'm like, dude, you're going to fall. Absolutely, you're going to fall every single time unless it's super, super dry and you have good boots on, like you can hop mm-hmm. over the tops of rocks. So I was just walking kind of between the tussocks. So it, it made for, you know, awkward steps sometimes. But for the most part, it wasn't so bad, but there are a couple spots where it was real bad, and yeah. the footing was horrible. And sometimes you try to step between them, and it's a deeper hole than. And yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, I think the first hike out where we went to that five miles, I think that was probably the worst of it, which was crazy because it was just flat ground. But there was just the standing water of duck ponds and just yeah. water draining into just like it's just so flat. It's like it's so interesting, but glad. I'm uh, definitely glad we experienced it. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was cool. And it was cool. You got yours, and I got mine within what twelve hours of each other. So it was yeah. in the afternoon, evening. I got mine. You got yours in the early morning, and then we had a whole day to uh, to get back to Fairbanks, and then um, got a couple grayling on the way home to uh, to fish uh, to kind of round out the trip with some fishing. That was cool, and then uh, helped uh, Harrison on his cabin, which is pretty sweet. That was fun. Some uh, campfires and and uh, some hauling of logs and a lot of BSing around yeah. the fire. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was great. So, should we talk about uh, our getting the meat back, or yeah, in the interest of full disclosure, I guess probably good. But we have, we we didn't really think that thing through. The the Not things that I knew in my head was when we got back to Fairbanks, and also I didn't want to like 
we're going to go up there, shoot the bulls, and come back. It's like, this is, you know, an archery hunt. It's a different thing. And, you know, I haven't taken 15, 20, 30 animals with my bow. And so in the back of my head, I thought, yeah, we're going to put it on dry ice, and we're going to... It'll be good to go. We're going to air cargo it back. Like, it didn't even require a whole bunch of extra planning because that was just what's going to happen. It was going to be pretty easy. So when we were out of ice, and then we got to Fairbanks, and there was only one place with dry ice... Only open from Monday to Friday. Only open Monday through Friday, and the Alaska Air Cargo was not open, so that kind of put things at a bit of a disadvantage. We kept the meat cold by, uh, we bought some more ice um, and bought some cold packs and got those frozen. Uh, Harrison uh, volunteered his, his freezer, so we were able to get those, those frozen and cold and whatnot. So, um, And then another issue was the melted ice, and we had it in, a, in the game bags. We got it cooled down. And then put it in a garbage bag, but the garbage bag leaked a little bit, and so there was some water that got in, um, and so mine was kind of sitting in this cold, cold water yeah. for a little bit, which is too bad. So we got it dried out. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate, but yeah, I, a little better planning on our part, I guess. Having a cooler with just ice and not ice and food, and that yeah. was that was part of the issue. Opening the cooler, getting food out, and whatnot. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I just. My brain was we get three free check bags in Alaska, and if we get one, cool, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, mm-hmm. which was not the best planning on our part because yeah. I just figured, you know, Fairbanks being a bigger bigger city, you know, things would just be open all the time just because it's a big city. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, two of the most important spots were closed. And uh, I think even if we had done all that on Friday, um, would have been – like I don't know if Alaska Airlines – can keep our meat cold so yeah. wait for us to come back here and then um, pick it up because i wouldn't want my wife to pick it up you know the yeah. one cooler was over 150 pounds or yeah. right around in there and uh so then we start doing a little bit of research and it's like okay well we can't have anything weigh over 100 pounds so now we're thinking and well, that was that was the biggest oversight the other stuff was like oh you know well whatever but not the not having a uh, checked baggage over 100 pounds was I may have known that, but I just didn't. I don't think of that. I don't. I uh, I didn't have a clue until we read it, and then I called Alaska Airlines. And I said, oh, whoops! We should have done more research. Yeah, <laughs> and we kept the bone in too, which added some weight to it. Yeah, because even if the, even though they were small bulls, um, you add in the bone weight, and those are animals that are going to put on pounds. So they have a heavy frame. Yep. Um, so they're they're pretty big. Yeah, that was kind of cool. The uh, another plane going by. Um, the uh, shoulders on them were like, like the back strap, uh, be- the the spine bone in between the shoulders. That was a lot like a mountain goat, where it just rose really high compared to everything else, which which was really cool. But back to the uh, coolers, yeah. So we had to go get uh, two coolers, and um, then we had to ice them up, get them cold, and we went and bought some gel packs. And, yeah, luckily we got all of our meat back, and it, yeah. and it and it turned out good. One cooler weighed, I think, eighty pounds, and then uh, the other one weighed seventy-eight and a half pounds, and uh, probably about ten less than ten pounds of gear in one of those coolers, mm-hmm. and then the cooler weight. So I'm not, I didn't actually weigh out my meat when I got back, but uh, ended up with forty-two pounds of burger and and just a bunch of back straps, uh, steaks and roasts. So I mean, yeah. and yeah, it tastes good. Nice. The, it's great. The, yeah, the meat's good, super yeah. tender. Fantastic. That was another thing too. Like I didn't want to leave anything with Harrison or Steve. Like, hey man, can you take this to the thing and you know, or just like invade their coolers? They're the type of people who would have offered that and did offer that, but you don't want to just like put people in that position. Well, and that's hunting down here for blacktail. It's so easy to just like you go out, you get it home, you know, hang it for a day. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So when your entire hunting career is essentially that, and then one mule deer or a couple of mule deer trips down in uh, Wyoming where it was so cold that you know you're, you're, it was going to freeze you just leave it outside it's going to freeze and the previous caribou hunt I did with uh, Harrison up there was the same thing it was we had to keep it inside to keep it from freezing so we could process it because we just gutted it cut it in half got it back to Fairbanks um, kept it thawed and then took it outside and got it off the bone um, but yeah it was just a different thing I figured it would be pretty easy and it was a little more stressful than it should have been yeah yeah but uh now we know for next time and yeah, yeah just those guys were just so accommodating already you know steven harrison and i just didn't want to take advantage of that because you're right they would have just whatever you need but it's like yeah no we're we can figure this out so yeah. 
but uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, you don't necessarily get that in a lot of places. Um, the hunting community can be super, super accommodating, helpful, friendly. It can also be just a bunch of jerks that you know can't wait to criticize for whatever. Oh, you should have been prepared. You should have known this. Oh well, you know I go Alaska. I do this. Well, that's great. You know that's you know, it's amazing that you've never had any sort of foul up and. Um, like even uh, what, two days before we left, when uh, Kansas, yeah, <laughs> that's what we nicknamed him. Yeah, um, when I, or before I even left here, uh, when I was shooting my bow and I, I derailed the string. Oh yeah, yeah. And how um, Bo took it that day and then got it fixed so I could shoot, you know, the next day and kind of get that confidence back up. Like I thought, man, I, I could develop a serious like hitch if this thing is gonna. <laughs> If I'm worried about this derailing when every time I pull back, like that could really uh, could be bad. impact the whole thing. But he went out of his way to make sure he got that done, yeah. got it restrained, got a new peep in there and everything. So, you know, and his primary job is not archery guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he just helps other people out. And so there's a lot of people who are very accommodating and, and help you out. It makes you want to reciprocate. It makes you want to help other people out too, which is really good. Yeah. All the while, people just can't wait to tell you how irresponsible certain shots are, how you should have done this, or yeah. oh, I can't believe you shot that. You know, those guys are pricks. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It was good, though. It was I, fun. Yeah, I think I'd do it again. I would like to do it when there's no bugs. Um, <laughs> bugs were just miserable. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good. We didn't see as many caribou because I guess we were early for the migration, so it's probably happening pretty good right now. Yeah. I don't know. but uh, Harsh harsh winter, late winter. And then that was another thing, too, that you look at some of the YouTube videos and people are crossing the rivers. Yeah. And I, th- that may have been, but there's a huge difference between crossing a river in early August and late August. You give it a couple more weeks, and then you don't know where they're crossing it. So it's not just a matter of... Uh, being a badass and then crossing the river because oh, that's what you got to do. You may just got to cross the river. Well, it had snowed the week before, and when you're draining such a massive amount of land, you're going to get a lot of water. And then with the rain, the, between the snow, melting snow, and the rain, there's a lot more water in there. Um, some of the people were remarking about how there was a lot more water. You could see when we were going through the tundra that there was green grass that was partially submerged, which again is an indication there's a lot more water than usual. And so if you think because you saw a YouTube video that it's just a matter of crossing the river, but you're not gauging the fact that, hey, last week there was a lot of water around here. That's and a good way that, to get in trouble. And that it was a really, really bad winter, which means that there's more snow that's melting. Um, and that's, you know, it goes into the into the wild, how Chris McCandless got into the bus when the water was low, and then the water came up for runoff, and that's... Or and that's one of the reasons why he was trapped. Yeah, you know, just that sort of stuff happens. People don't understand how wild these things are. The rivers aren't regulated by dams and whatnot, and so those are the types of things that can get you in trouble. Yeah, that and we didn't even see any caribou over there. So it was like, what's <laughs> exactly? What's yeah. the? Yeah, why? Why take that risk? And it was just it, in, in my mind, it was moving pretty good. And yeah. Just wherever we looked, and was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Even Let's stay on this side. I'm not sure what river that the uh, the sag meets up with, but even when it was just the sag, it looked like it was it was pretty thick and you can't see the bottom and it's pretty swift and you had an instance last year when you were on a sheep hunt where you were contemplating crossing a river yeah yeah and uh being unfamiliar with that with that part of alaska and this it was wasn't as big as a sack but it was definitely um it was a good flowing creek and it was draining out of a out of a big drainage and uh it was that muddy, silty water where you couldn't see the bottom, and it was flowing really good. And we're like, well, there's sheep right on the other side, so get to the edge, and then we poke it with our trekking pole just to see how deep it would go. And it's like, well, shoot, that's three feet deep right there. What's it in the middle? And this was probably twenty foot, twenty-five foot uh, wide creek. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I text some buddies that have been in that country, and they've they've ran into this before, and. It's like, well, what would you do? I mean, what do you recommend? You know, just being totally green. I'm just, it's like, yeah, you're tr- talking yourself into a bad situation. Uh, that's usually the time to just turn around. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't go for it. We we walked up and down the creek there a little ways and just to try to find a better spot. And it just didn't seem worth it. And uh, me and my buddy agreed. It's like, yeah, no. And then we get back and then uh, we get back to where we've flown out of. And the guy's like, yeah, we just go for it. I'm like, I'm not taking that chance. I, I want to stay upright. And yeah. uh, and then we get back home, and then a week later, I have another friend. He, he, he texts me an article. Uh, somebody, a sheep hunter, had probably, you know, within 50 miles of where we were, he had 
he had tried crossing and 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 he didn't make it and i was like yeah yeah and he's, he's like good call on not doing that because this is the kind of risk that that you take and i was like this is sad but yeah I'm, i i don't regret not crossing it yeah. how about that so, yeah yeah i know yeah. it uh so yeah definitely scary you definitely got to weigh your weigh your risk so yeah and you have to look at what your experience is like i've been on some mountains and you know it's super super slick and super super steep but you just say okay yes versus no it doesn't mean that i mean you can talk yourself out of anything like tomorrow it's going to rain because it's going to rain it's going to be cold and you know it might be slick and so i'm not going to go out on this hunt like that's not what we're talking about yeah. you know it's just that difference between stupidity and that you know and i think part of it is you see so many people are willing to do that and people are desperate for content or whatnot and so maybe in order to write their chapter they do things that might not be safe and there are oh. times other people are like oh man this is totally safe but based on my capabilities my waiting abilities based on the situation where i was going to cross it's a great call and absolutely do that well know? that and then you know you get the guys that just push it push it push it push it until i mean it's not a matter of if but a matter of when i mean it's like yeah it's just scary it's not worth it in my opinion you know we go up a lot of steep stuff around here but I mean, if there's nothing to grab onto, like when you're going up some of that steep stuff, don't yeah. go up it. I mean, it's just stupid. Yeah. You you know you're going to fall. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know. I think part of that is living in southeast Alaska. I know for sure, or I'm, I'm pretty sure that you have known someone who's been fishing um, who went out in weather that wasn't supposed to be that bad and they maybe pushed marginal weather and then put themselves in a situation. You know, like I've, you know, growing up here, you know about people who we've lost um, out on the ocean. You know, people have been putting uh, difficult situations up on mountains and it can go really severe really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's an unfortunate, sad reality of living here. And so it doesn't mean that you're scared. It just means that you keep certain things in mind. And like you said, you don't want to be talking yourself into something that you shouldn't end up doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, prep for the worst and hope for the best. That's right. I mean, yeah. And then just making wise decisions when you're out there. It's just, I don't know. That's part of the reason why, you know, like I carry a tarp now and then, you know, my possible kid is just a little bigger than it needs to be. I got some mm-hmm. tablets that I'll probably never use, but they're there. And then my med kit is pretty minimal, but I mean is just about being ready so yeah macgyver and something when you need to you know an arm splint or something and having my in reach now which never would have thought before it's like yeah you're southeast you're like just a boat right away from home after a hike it's like yeah, yeah no it's not just you you know you got people back home that that you have to go home to which sounds a little dramatic but yeah i don't know it's should be somewhere in the thought yeah it's got to be somewhere in the back of the mind so yeah. which which is good i mean carry two gps's which one is just primarily the inReach, but I figured if I'm buying an inReach, I might as well get another GPS with it. So I just yeah. went with the bigger model, and then we got our Onyxes. So yeah, which can still run out of batteries. It's yeah. like, oh well, now what do you do? You know, you get into fog and you got to get down the mountain. It's like, well, yeah. did you flag it? Uh, no. <laughs> That's the problem yeah. with all in one. If you lose one, you got lose it all. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, one of these weeks I'll get my my own sheep uh, sheep tent from uh, Kafaro. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Or did uh, first week of May. It's nice for those uh, days in the rut where it's just kind of misty or where, like, it's it, it's not rainy, rainy when you go out, but you know there's going to be the little the little storms that come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just like set that thing up and, yeah. I was checking the mail today, and I thought, man, please, today. This is it. Because tomorrow it's supposed to rain. It's supposed to rain the whole next week, and this is this is prime alpine deer season. It's been hot for the last week. So tomorrow, as soon as there's some liquid, as soon as the, it's going to be on, the deer pop is going to be ridiculous. Oh, after this hot stretch? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be Hopefully. so good tomorrow with a little bit of rain. It's going to be perfect, and I will not have my sheep tent. But you know. Yeah, I'm going fishing tomorrow, So, but I hope you get one. Thanks, man. Yeah. I hope you get some. Yeah, so. hopefully. All right, well, we'll call that uh, episode three or whatever this is. So uh, caribou recap, a lot of fun. Uh, good job. Fun. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>